Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, hello, beloved family. How are you doing? It's so good to be with you. And today I'm coming to you with a fresh new program, but I pre-recorded it because I'm actually um, I'm actually in Washington, D.C. today. Could you believe that? I am at the Coast to Coast Rosary on October 13th, um, which was yesterday, but we're flying home today. Um, we were at the Coast to Coast Rosary, um, uh, that was put, has been put together by Father Rick Heilman. And if you want to look, just go to rose, um, uh, rosarycoasttocoast.com and you will see it. Um, I gave a 20 minute talk along with two other speakers, um, Father uh, Monsignor Charles Pope and, oh dear, how could I? How could I not have that in my on the tip of my tongue? Well, I don't. I think it was um, Chuck Neff who was the MC, uh, and I'm missing somebody. I'm so sorry, but um, we were there, and because I pre-recorded this, I can't tell you how wonderful it was because I'm not back yet. So I'm flying back today as you're listening to this program, and it's a brand new program for you, but you won't be able to call in, but I will be answering your emails. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, we'll be back home and uh, coming to you fresh, and I'll be able to tell you all about it. So um, for today, beloved, I would like to continue um, speaking about the rosary, but taking a break now from Archbishop... Fulton Sheen's book on the meditations of the 15 mysteries of the rosary. And um, uh, let's see now. Well, actually, I don't need to do that. I can. I can continue where we left off, actually. And we left off. um, uh Uh-huh. I don't know. The crowning of thorns. My pages are so mixed up. I'm so sorry. Okay, here we go. With the crowning of thorns, um, which is the third sorrowful mystery. And I, I remember just before we left on Friday, my trying to imagine that crown of thorns piercing my skull. Needles, And I, I mentioned that how a dear friend in California once grew a plant called the crown of thorns, huge, just a long, long, long vine, and it has some flowers and leaves on it, but needles come out. And she wrapped it around several times and made a crown of thorns and gave it to me. I still have it. And all the leaves and flowers are off, but it's still the crown of thorns. And just to lay it on your head, it sticks you. But to think of those soldiers pressing it down on him, um, no, I, I cannot. I cannot imagine that. So um, 
Okay, let's see. The Crowning of Thorns from Bishop Fulton Sheen. Very short meditations on the mysteries of the rosary. And Bishop Sheen says, as the scourging was the reparation for the sins of the flesh, so the crowning... Uh Uh-oh. I think... I don't know what happened here. The crowning with thorns. Uh Uh-huh. The crowning with... Oh, dear. I don't know where that went. (laughs) It's all mixed up. I downloaded the book, but somehow uh, it didn't happen well. So I will, I will pick this up tomorrow, beloved. I'm going to pick up the Stations of the Cross with Bishop Fulton Sheen tomorrow. And um, hold on a minute now. And for today, I'm going to uh, give us something else. I, am I, if I seem discoordinated, it's simply because I am. That's really the case. All right. I thought these pages were in order, and they are not. So what I'd like to do, and I, I, I have this for us as well, um, the rosary is uh, what saved Christendom. You've heard, of, you've heard that. Many of you have heard that many times, how important the rosary is. It's Our Lady's weapon. And no matter what, she tells us to pray the rosary, no matter what. And uh, it was through the rosary that occurred the extraordinary miracle of Lepanto. And I have a summary of that miracle here, which I will read to us. And um, the subheading is, to say that Christendom was in dire straits would be an understatement. This is the Battle of Lepanto, which many of us know by title, but don't necessarily know the circumstances. And this can be, and is, an entire book. But here is just a quick, brief uh, summary of it. In the late 16th century, which would be the late 1500s, Christian Europe was weak and splintered. Politically, Europe was just a collection of small, warring kingdoms, and their fragile unity in the Catholic faith had just been broken by the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s, which was now in full swing across the continent. The Ottoman Empire, on the other hand, was strong and growing, having not lost a significant naval battle in a hundred years. Its forces had already conquered the remains of the eastern half of the Roman Empire, including, quote, New Rome, unquote, um, which was uh, Constantinople at the time. And now... Their seemingly unstoppable forces set their sights on conquering Rome, and from there, the rest of Europe and the New World. Desperate for survival, Pope Pius V convinced as many Catholic rulers of the Mediterranean as possible to band together to stop the Ottomans, forming what they called the Holy League. I think it's Cardinal Burke who has formed a modern-day Holy League of men all across the country and the world, 
taking up the weapon of our warfare to protect their families and the faith. And that is the rosary. This article continues. It was originally formed to save a Venetian colony on Cyprus that was under Ottoman attack. But the colony fell before they were able to arrive. The Ottoman commander captured the Venetian leader, had him flayed alive, and hung up his corpse along with the corpses of other Venetian leaders. So the Holy League sailed to meet the Ottoman navy at their naval station, which was Lepanto in Greece instead. The odds were against the Holy League. Despite the fact that many nations were banded together in the Holy League, the Ottoman forces still had more boats and were practiced in fighting together rather than being cobbled together like the Christians just for the occasion. And the stakes were high. If the Holy League failed, the Ottomans would appear to have cleared way to the heart of Europe in Rome. Knowing that the circumstances were desperate, Pope Pius V did the only thing those back at home could do, pray. On the day of the battle, he organized a public procession in Rome to pray the rosary, just as Father Rick Heilman organized the rosary procession that took place yesterday on October 13th in Washington, and not just in Washington, but there were more than 57,000 people all over the country meeting in groups and praying the rosary at 3 p.m. together with those in Washington. And here's the conclusion of this article. A miracle happened. They received word against all odds the Holy League had won, Overjoyed, they won with the rosary against all the ammunitions, all the boats, all the trained men of the Ottomans. Overjoyed and convinced that their prayers had been decisive, the Pope created the new feast of Our Lady of Victory. A few years later, it was changed to the feast of the Holy Rosary, but it was the Lady of Victory's rosary and finally to the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary in the 20th century, which it remains today. It is celebrated every October 7th. And you might have seen last Wednesday, some of you on um, uh, the podcast of Father Rick Heilman, the United States Grace Force. He has that at least every Wednesday uh, with uh, Doug Berry, and I was a guest this past Wednesday, and we talked about that. We actually pre-recorded Wednesday program on the Feast of Our Lady's Rosary, October 7th. And historians say that the battle truly was decisive in world history. It once and for all stopped the advance of Ottoman forces deeper into Europe, preserving the independence of the western half of Christendom. It's it's a magnificent and glorious, glorious victory. Uh, you could read an entire book about it. Dom Garanger in the 1800s uh, wrote in his um, uh, liturgy um, of the 15-volume that he has for the entire liturgical year. 
uh, much on this blessed feast. And all you need to do is is type in Lepanto, L-E-P-A-N-T-O, on your search engine, and you will get tons and tons of information on what happened uh, that Our Lady's Rosary, this little string of beads, won the Ottoman Empire uh, against the Ottoman Empire. It's, it's an absolute miracle. It's not the only miracle. It's not the only miracle. I think I have a few more here. Hold on a minute. Okay. Um, as the weapon of peace, um, Our Lady of Fatima said, say the rosary every day to obtain world peace and an end to war. Pope St. Pope John Paul the Great said, would you like me to tell you a secret? It is simple. And after all, it is no secret. Pray, pray much. Say the rosary every day. Beloved, all these wonderful saints are telling us what to do to draw close to our Lord through Our Lady. He has given her to us as the mediatrix of all grace. Of all grace comes from our Lord through her. Um, And it, it has nothing to do with feelings or what we prefer as a devotion. If we begin to do what pleases the heart of Our Lady, I think she will turn our heart into love for her and the devotion she gave. Father Patrick Payton, who is up for canonization, who is known as the Rosary Priest, he had the first Rosary rally in the Rose Bowl. I don't know what year, but uh, I think 17,000 people. And he said, a world at prayer is a world at peace. And it's Father Peyton that said, the family that prays together stays together. And Mother Teresa picked that up, and people think it's from her, but she got it from Father Patrick Peyton. Pope St. Pius X said this, the rosary is the most beautiful and richest of all all prayers to the mediatrix of all grace, It is the prayer that touches most the heart of the Mother of God. Say it each day. Here is Father Albert Shannon. Shaman, rather, S-H-A-M-O-N. He says, to turn the evil in America, a tithe of rosaries should be offered to God. If 10% of Catholics in the United States would pledge to join the rosary crusade, Satanic evil would be crushed in our nation. You see, beloved, we have all these apostolates, all these warriors. I don't know too many greater than Father Rick Heilman. He has the warriors. He has the, um, uh, oh, go look him up on the Internet. Um, He's made a weapon out of the rosary, out of gun metal, and he's given it as a gift to all the Swiss guards at the Vatican. Uh, anybody can get it. He has a whole combat um, suitcase. And uh, look him up on the web. He has the, the uh, email, the, Catholic, the website, the Catholic man. Absolutely terrific. And all he's doing, and all the pro-life uh, apostolates are doing, and all everybody is doing. Father Shaman says, if we would tithe as a people... 10% of Catholics in the United States would pledge to join the Rosary Crusade, the satanic evil would be crushed in our nation. You see? 
I don't know what year he said that. We might need 12% today, but um, we need to do that. And Our Lady gave the rosary to Simon Stock, and to him she said, pray and let the rosary always be in your hands as a sign to Satan that you belong to me, the lady who would crush his head. So first, there was the victory in the Battle of Lepanto. It fell on October 7th. Of course, that was the victory in 1571, um, when in short number, uh, we just read a greatly outnumbered force of Christian defenders held off a Turkish invasion, and the Turks are still invading uh, Syria and others today. And uh, they need to be defeated. And the rosary can do it again. It did it once, it can do it again. Um, it was considered a miraculous victory brought about specifically through the rosary for St. Pius V's crusade united all of Europe in prayer. May 13th, 1955, after 700,000 people agreed to pray the rosary in Austria, the Soviets mysteriously departed the country on the anniversary date of Fatima, May 13th, 1955. 700,000 people in Austria. And then on October 13th, 1960, 60, after Pope John XXIII called for prayer, a million pilgrims in Fatima held an all-night prayer vigil before the Blessed Sacrament. The next day, October 13, 1960, an accident destroyed a new Soviet missile, killing many top scientists and setting back the Soviet nuclear arms program by at least 20 years. And then on May 13th again, 1984, after another major rosary crusade, a massive explosion um, on that day eliminated two-thirds of the missiles of the Soviet's powerful northern fleet. And on May 12th, uh, the eve of May 13th, in 1988, four years later, four years after 1984, it happened again, as thousands prayed all night long on May 12, 1988, during the vigil of the anniversary of the apparition, apparition at Fatima, another major explosion shut down the Soviet Union's only missile plant. You remember at Fatima, beloved, that Our Lady said that if Russia is not consecrated to her, then... Um, uh, then Russia will spread its errors throughout the world. Well, I it seems that um, from from what has been said by cardinals and authorities, Russia has not been consecrated to Our Lady. Um, uh, one pope has consecrated the whole world to Our Lady, and of course, the whole world includes Russia, but never mentioned Russia. Um, other consecrations have been made, but not specifically the Holy Father in union with the bishops of the world, as Our Lady asked, to consecrate Russia. And Russia has never stopped spreading her errors throughout the world. So we need to do that still, 
beloved. It has to be the Pope in union with his bishops and cardinals. Um, Pope uh, Blessed Pius XI said, Give me an army, saying the rosary, and I will conquer the world. You see that? You see that? Um, Padre Pio, the rosary is the weapon for these times. Do we believe these saints or not? How do they know that? Because they've seen it. Who was attacked by the devil more than Padre Pio? He was thrown around his own cell as a monk. Uh, He was knocked out. He was beaten. Uh, So much came against him because he was chosen of God and had the stigmata and was a most holy soul and still is. And many have become his sons and daughters. And he says the rosary is a weapon for these times. We can fight in any other way we wish. We are free to do that. But if we um, don't pray the rosary, we are not using the number one weapon of our warfare. St. Jose Maria Escriva said, the Holy Rosary is a powerful weapon. Use it with confidence and you'll be amazed at the results. And I know some people who really don't like the rosary, they don't want to pray it. Do you have to? You don't have to. But Our Lady asked, Our Lady who brought us the Savior and whose soul, the sword, pierced with her son at the cross and who is the mediatrix of all grace, she's asked us to do it. How do we refuse her? We refuse her because we don't find it a particularly exciting devotion. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see our hearts so poor like that. We should pray it only because Our Lady has asked it, regardless of our feelings. You know, you raise children in the home, and maybe you love going to church on Sunday, but your children, ma, I don't want to go, ma. But you make them go because it's not their choice, and you try to teach them. You try to teach them the love of God for them. You try to teach them what transpires at Mass, which does not transpire anywhere else on the face of the earth. And you pray that the faith and the love of God and his love for them will penetrate their souls so that when they get older, they don't want to stay away from Mass. You see, um, that's the way it is with the Rosary. We do it because our mom says so. Our Jewish mom, the Jewish mom of the Jewish Messiah, has told us to do it every day. We'll grow into it, beloved, but we'll please our mom. Pope St. Pius X said this, The rosary is the most beautiful and the most rich in graces of all prayers. It is the prayer that touches most the heart of the Mother of God. And if you wish peace to reign in your homes, recite the family rosary. There. You want peace to reign in your homes, recite the family rosary. Pope Pius XI said this, The rosary is a powerful weapon to put the demons to flight and to keep oneself from sin. If you desire peace in your hearts, in your homes, And in your country, assemble each evening to recite the rosary. Let not even one day pass without saying it. 
no matter how burdened you may be with many cares and labors. Don't let one day pass without saying it, beloved. Pope St. John Paul II said, How beautiful, how beautiful is the family that recites the rosary every evening. And if you say you're too busy to pray the rosary every evening, then you're right. You're simply too busy. And if your family is all out, they come in different times, yes, but they need at least during the week to come in at a certain curfew because it's time, whether it's 8 o'clock at night or 6 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, they need to be home for the family rosary. That's, that's it. it. They can't stay out till midnight and miss the family rosary because they're older now. No way. As long as they're living at home, they have a family rosary. They know where and they know what time. They must be home for it. Parents, don't stop parenting. Raise your children to be saints. Here's another quote from Pope Pius XI. He said, The rosary is a powerful weapon to put demons to flight and to keep oneself from sin. We already read that. I'm sorry. Um, Okay, Louis de Montfort, The rosary is a priceless treasure inspired by God. Oh, we have such a treasure, beloved, and we hardly know it. Um, There's the music for our first break. And as I mentioned, I pre-recorded this program. We're on a plane right now, flying back from Washington, D.C., from the Rosary Coast to Coast. But this is a brand-new program, pre-recorded, so I will take emails only. We have many emails that we haven't yet answered, and I will take them and texts that have been sent in for the next half hour. Um, God bless you. We'll be right back, beloved. The Station of the Cross invites you to join us each day for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. The Liturgy of the Hours is the daily prayer of the Church and is made up of readings from sacred scripture, writings from saints and theologians, and small reflections. For details about each hour and more information about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. We hope you'll join us for this daily prayer of the Church each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Station of the Cross. Has a review ever helped you decide if you'll download a particular app or not? Help others decide on our apps. If you appreciate our iCatholic Radio and iCatholic Music mobile apps, please rate and review. From the app menu, just touch Rate Our App. If you don't have our apps yet, they're available for Android and Apple mobile devices. Thank you for considering leaving a rating and review for iCatholic Radio and iCatholic Music. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users 
every year and growing. Check us out at lifesitenews.com. Welcome back, beloved. This is Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam. I'm not sure if we're on. Um, Beloved, welcome back. This is Mother Miriam on uh, Mother Miriam Live. Uh, And again, uh, the program is pre-recorded, even though it's fresh for you. Um, And I'm going to spend the next half hour now taking all your emails that have come in. Um, One writes, it's a text anonymously, Dear Mother Miriam, good morning. I have a question for you. My son is married, but not in the Catholic faith. They have a daughter that they haven't baptized. How can I reach out to our son and inform him that he needs to consider baptizing their daughter? What happens if we don't baptize our children? I love your show and learn a lot. Thank you, Mother Miriam. God bless your ministry. If we don't baptize our children, they are not saved. If they leave without baptism, they will not be in heaven. And so baptism is necessary for salvation. That's the teaching of the church. So what you need to do is you need to go to your son and his wife, and you need to say, I know that you um, have left the Catholic faith. You're not practicing the Catholic faith. I don't know if they're practicing anything. I don't know what his wife is, but you can show them the church's teaching on baptism. Acts chapter... um, Acts chapter 2, you need to show them um, where the Jewish people say, cut to the heart, because Peter just told them they killed their Messiah. And they said, what can we do? And Peter says, be baptized, all of you, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's necessary. There's no salvation apart from baptism. So they need to baptize their daughter. So you need to show them Acts chapter 2, look at the catechism and go to the section on baptism and go to them and say, I love you with all my heart. I know you don't believe this, but I, out of love for you and your daughter, need to tell you this because I have a deep, deep concern and worry and explain to them that the faith is the faith our Lord gave And this is his instruction to being saved. It was to the Jews of his day, and it is now for 2,000 years. They must baptize a little girl. However, they cannot have her baptized unless they agree. Number one, they need godparents, Catholic godparents, um, and they cannot baptize their child unless they agree to raise her in the Catholic faith. You need to tell them all of this. It's not just a rabbit's foot, go get her baptized. She needs to be raised in the Catholic faith, and you need to get good Catholic godparents who will help you to do that, but you must agree. They must agree to do that, and hopefully they'll become Catholic on the way. We have a text from Shannon who says, Dear Mother Miriam, um, I'm a cradle Catholic, as are my husband's son and daughter. Looking through our family tree, I found a Jewish great-great-grandmother, I am writing to ask for your intercession for my daughter, Mary Kate. She has left the faith and is temporarily aimless. 
This may be in part due to my comments about this pontiff expressing a multitude of heretical statements, sowing confusion and embracing the world rather than being separate as the Lord has commanded us that we come out from among the world and be separate and touch no evil thing. Now, her email continues, but I'll say right now, Shannon, and parents, don't ever do that at home with your children. Don't ever speak against the church, against the pope, against the cardinals, against the bishops, against priests. Don't ever speak against them at home or before your children. They're not going to have your maturity. They're not going to have your understanding and you're going to destroy the truth of the faith for them. Again, it's the enemy in the church. We don't come against priests and bishops and cardinals and the Pope. We come against false teaching, and uh, we must. But unless someone brings it up, uh, there's no reason to do that in your home. Just teach the truth. Just keep teaching the truth. And if one of your children say, you know, mom, I heard here and I heard this and our teacher said this, you say, you know, unfortunately, I know that's the case, but there are a lot of confused people uh, today. But the Pope said this, mom. Well, we're told the Pope said it. He might have. It it could have been wrong. Um, He might have said it. And we hope for him to make a clarification, but be very careful on accusing him so quickly. See, we, we have to, and, and not to bring those things up in the home. We don't want our children to live the faith, lose the faith, or leave it, because a child who hears that and leaves the Catholic Church doesn't understand what the Catholic Church is. You need to be very careful with young hearts. Shannon goes on to text, I have been interceding for her with priests, Pentecostals, and fellow Catholics. Well, um, you can intercede with her for with the Pentecostals um, if they're if they're Catholic charismatics okay if they're Protestant uh, I wouldn't uh, intercede with the Protestants in prayer um, because um, are you praying to the same God you are but they deny him in many ways they certainly deny him in the Eucharist so be careful about that. Um, um, she said she's been interceding uh, with priests and Catholics and others for years, six years. She has suffered greatly and has had many troubles, too many to describe here. She says, please assist me with your prayers in enabling her to experience the perfect love of Yeshua. God bless you for all that you're doing. Now, normally, beloved, I wouldn't read an email like this because um, your emails and calls and texts should be specific questions not simply prayer requests over the air. You can send a prayer request to the station of the cross.com. You could also send prayer requests to us directly um, at uh, www.motherofisraelshope.org uh, on the, you can, you can, on the internet, you could get to our website and click on uh, contact and it will give you a prayer request. So um, a room for a prayer request. You can do that. But the reason I took this one is because I took a quick look at it in advance and saw that this uh, Shannon, this mother, said that her daughter's leaving the faith might in part be to her comments about 
the negativity on the pontiff and other uh, things. And that's why I say um, you need to be honest with your children, but you need to assess their maturity, their understanding of the faith, and you need to be very careful about doing those things. And don't bring it up as conversation. Don't do that. Raise your children in the faith. There's the music, beloved, for our second break. So we will go to it. And again, for today, you cannot call in uh, directly or text directly, but you, uh, I, you've got many texts and emails that I haven't answered yet. Um, and so you're welcome uh, to, you're always welcome to continue to email on um, Facebook or mother at the station of the cross.com. And we will get to all of them as many as we can, I should say, as soon as we come back. Don't go away. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. A map in a mirror. That's how we can view the life and legacy of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. We can look to Archbishop Sheen's faithful witness to the Lord as a guide, helping us to better share our faith with others. And we can hold up our own faithful witness to the Lord, asking how our lives might better reflect Jesus to a world so in need of Him. What part do you play in this? You would tell your neighbor about a bargain. Or advise him to see a movie. Does not our Lord mean more to you than the enthusiasm you might show for a new car? Then use the missionaries. Let them save souls for you. Help the Holy Father and inspire souls with the love God loves. My name is Father Martin Keveney. The bishop is by my side and his holiness is inspiring me every day of my life. There's no better model for priests and missionaries than Archbishop Fulton Sheen. To find out more about the faithful witness of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, visit FultonSheenMission.org. Welcome back, beloved. I'm so sorry. I The music on my end is so loud, I didn't realize we were back. Um, so this is Mother Miriam live, beloved. And um, 
I am going to continue to take as many of your emails and texts as I can. Since you're not able to call in today, I'm flying back um, with um, uh, one of my sisters from Washington, D.C. We were at the Rosary Coast to Coast yesterday, and I'm I'm guessing it was uh, recorded on video, and you're probably going to be able to see it on video or YouTube. Look up Father Rick Heilman. Uh, he's the instigator of all of this, a terrific warrior for our Lord. Um, we have a text from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I heard you for the first time this evening in a video on YouTube, and I got the app also. In this way, I found the information about Trump religious freedom. My question is in the link with mandatory vaccination. Now, I don't know particularly what you're referring to with that link, uh, dear one. But he says there was a link with mandatory vaccination, comma, religious exemption. And he says, is it possible that the Alliance of Religious Freedom to help us in the U.S. and Canada, is it possible for them to push the system to accept religious exemption, even in the United States, where these exemptions are abolished? Um, Yes, of course we can push that. But I've said before, uh, no parent... um, it can be forced to vaccinate their children. No parent. And if the school says, if you won't, won't let us vaccinate your child, then you can't attend school, then you take them out of school. Don't you let the government or even Catholic schools, so-called Catholic schools, determine what goes into your child. Don't you dare do that. This is, this is socialism. It's communism. It's fascism. You parent have the right and the say over your child, nobody else. And if you need to take him out of school, you need to do that. And this person says, English is my third language. Sorry if I am doing written mistakes. So he's not, uh, his English is, is, he's doing pretty well. But I'm really concerned about the ingredients that the vaccine industry industry is using, including uh, fetal tissues. Thank you. You're absolutely right, my brother. You're absolutely right. And I do think we should do everything possible to to have that exemption. Everything possible. But again, parents, you are never subject to the government. You are never subject to a Catholic school or a Catholic church who requires you to vaccinate your children. Absolutely not. Parents, you and no one but you has the authority and the stewardship to raise your children. You are responsible to protect them. And if you allow the school to vaccinate them, because you don't want to take them out because you're working or whatever it is, you are responsible for that, not the school. I would take my children out. You say, but I can't homeschool them. I have a full-time job. Do something about it. Do something about it. Take them out. Put them with relatives. Put them with a already existing homeschooling group. Put them in a private school. Uh, take them to work with you and give them books during your lunch. I don't know what. Figure it out. But don't let an evil system uh, take your children over. Don't let them rob your children from you. We have a text from Mildred. She says, good evening, Mother Miriam. 
I'm so thankful to have you come to have come across your program on YouTube. I love to listen to your profound words. My question for you is, how do you feel about our Mother Mary's messages and appearances in Medjugorje? God bless you, Mother. Standing with Christ, Mildred. Well, Mildred, years ago, I did go to Medjugorje, um, and um, I went with people who did see the Sundance and other things. Um, I didn't see any of that. I didn't feel any of that. I had a particular grace. I, I happened to be afraid of heights. And I was with a couple of people, a, a nurse and a policeman, and they wanted to go up to the top of the mountain. And I said, I don't think I can. And they said, we'll help you. Well, I let them do that. I regretted it all the way up. I was just, uh, I was a wreck. And about three quarters of the way up, all of a sudden, all fear left me. And I let go of their hands and I went up to the top. And they said, where are you going? That You know, there's, there's cabbages, there's openings. You've got to be careful. I said, I got it. Don't worry. And on the way down, which would have been more frightening for me, I ran down. And they said, Roz, because I wasn't sister yet, Roz, would you hold up? Wait for us. I don't know. It all left me. But I, So that was a bit of a miracle, a, a real grace. But, but I didn't see anything. Um, the fact is that it has not been approved by the church. And so I've known people with huge conversions that have come from Medjugorje. And I've known very good faithful priests, uh, let me not name them at the moment, but very faithful priests who have written and said publicly that they believe that the miracles happened in Medjugorje, but they're not ongoing today. They don't know that they're ongoing today or don't believe they're ongoing today. So maybe they happen, but what's ongoing today is a bit of a hoax. I can't say, Mildred, I don't know that. It's not approved. No, we're not forbidden to go as far as I know, but it's not approved. So I've no longer spoken. I will no longer accept uh, conference invitations where it's a conference uh, on Medjugorje, because I don't want to go against what the church has said, and it hasn't said yet. So uh, that's all I can tell you. The grace at Medjugorje, the priests in confession, the amount of lines for confession is miraculous. It's so fantastic, and lives are changed all the time. So whether it's happening or not, I bless God for it. I bless God for it, um, but I can't speak to it more than that. Okay, Mildred, God bless you. Um, and as far as our mother's messages, I don't get them daily. I've I've read a number of them, but see, all she tells us to do is what she's told us in all the aberrations: go to my son, repent and go back to church, pray the rosary. That's all she keeps saying, like a broken record. She doesn't tell anybody to go to her. She tells people to repent and come back to the church and go to her son. That's what she tells them, pray the rosary. We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously um, and says, if the parents of Abraham were pagan, and that's right, they were pagan idol worshipers, how indeed did all of those before the law become righteous. 
Hasn't God always provided a way of salvation? He indeed has. The answer to this is why the pantheistic approach of the Amazonian Synod is in error. Um, Well, a pantheistic approach to the Amazonian Synod is definitely in error, but not the answer to the parents of Abraham being pagan. No, no, no. The answer to that is not pantheistic whatsoever. Um, The Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches, and again, um, all those before the law become righteous, I tell you what, the law couldn't save anybody. So we had a couple of thousand years before the law, and we had 2,000 years between Abraham and Christ, and we had 1,500 years before Moses and Christ, 500 years before Abraham and Moses. The law could save absolutely nobody. The law showed the Jewish people that they needed a savior, that they were sinful. And the aim of that was, like the aim of the people in the Amazon, like the aim of people in America, to know that the law is holy and righteous and good, but they're sinful. They can't keep it. And the purpose is that we would cry out to God and say we need a savior. That's what God wants. And instead, what many of the Jewish people did was saying, not that we need a Savior, but we couldn't keep the laws God gave, so we'll make up our own that he didn't give. You see, and that's a lot of that is post-Messianic Judaism, the Judaism that developed after the temple was destroyed, and they cannot offer any more sacrifices because Christ is the ultimate final sacrifice to which they all point pointed. So they cannot offer sacrifice. They cannot keep the law. We just passed on October 9th, the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the highest holy day of the Jewish year, when Aaron, the high priest, brother of Moses, went into the Holy of Holies and offered sacrifices for the unintentional sins of the entire nation of Israel, not for their intentional sins. For the intentional sins, the people had to come and offer lambs and bulls and goats, kind of as a scapegoat. And those animals would be slain in the place of the sinner and symbolically take on the animal the sins of us, that we could live because we brought an animal to die to make a reparation for our sin. You think any of those dead animals could kill, could make Reparation, of course not, they were dead, but every one of them pointed to the one who did come, the Lamb of God, the only Lamb, the only perfect sacrifice, the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, whom God gave, who bore our sins on the cross, who died for our sins, and who rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. And so the same thing with Abraham's parents and everybody from Abraham to Christ and everybody from Christ following. Uh, The catechism teaches that those who through no fault of their own um, do not believe in the Catholic Church, but they have lived up because they don't understand it. It's invincible ignorance, but they have lived up to the grace of God that God has given them. They can be saved, not that they will be saved, but they can be saved. The same way, beloved, that Catholics who live up to the grace of God that they've been given, not will be saved, but can be saved. And because Catholics, like the Jews of old, 
have more grace on this earth than anyone else because they've been given much. Um, if they live up to that grace, they can be saved. No Catholic is assured of his salvation. He's morally assured that if he does not turn from God, he will be saved. It's no different from Abraham's parents right through to the parents of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and everyone to Christ and your parents. If they live up to the grace God has given them, they can be saved. And will they be saved? God alone knows. If they have come to put their trust, not in themselves, not in their religion, but in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who sent his son to earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and died on a cross for us and rose for our die for our justification, that we would be just before God, rose for our sanctification, that we would be made holy and live with him forever. That is the message for everyone on earth, Jew, Gentile, Muslim, atheist. It makes no difference. It's the same thing. And so um, uh, it's not the same. as It's not pantheism. It's not that God is all over a place. Absolutely not. The law of God is written in everyone's heart, but we need to put our faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who came, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, and died for us and rose to give us life. There's no other name, beloved, under heaven by which we must not can, but must be saved. We have another text from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother Miriam. I'm a catechist for third graders. What is the appropriate way to respond to a question of a child who asks, is it true that Halloween is the devil's holiday? I'd also like to know um, why I can listen, where perhaps it says I can listen to you live. May our Lord continue to bless you abundantly. The fact is, we, our ending music is coming up in 10 seconds. The question is, from the child, the third grader, is it true that Halloween is the devil's holiday? It absolutely is not. It's a Catholic holiday. It's All Hallows' Eve. What is that? The next day, November 1st, is um, All Saints' Day. It's a first-class feast. The Eve of All Saints is hallowed, is sacred. It's All Hallows' Eve. It's the Eve of All Saints' Day. It's a Catholic holiday. And the devil jumps into everything that's Catholic to turn it into paganism. It is not paganism. It is holy. And if your children dress up on All Hallows' Eve, they should be dressed as a saint, as a Catholic saint. You need to teach them that, beloved. No devil's costumes, no worldly things. Get together with your parish and celebrate All Hallows' Eve. Okay, God bless you, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Okay, bless you, dear one.